Welcome to Whenever Worship with Washington Farm United Methodist Church. Our daily life can make it hard to connect with God at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Whenever Worship helps you connect whenever you can, wherever life takes you with patterns of prayer, reflection, and conversation that will help you lift your heart up in all of the ways that we live out our lives as people of a living faith in a living God. First, the Babylonians came for the Jewish royalty, the king, the queen mother. Then they came for the intellectual elite, the court officials and the Jewish leaders, the priests. Then they came for the makers, the artisans, smiths, and builders. And then, while the leaderless, oppressed remnants of Jerusalem looked on, they dealt them a spiritual death blow. They came for the God of the Hebrew people. They left Solomon's temple in ruins. They destroyed the place where God dwelled among God's people. Those who were left in Jerusalem were scattered. Some were taken to Babylon. Others fled to Egypt. Some stayed in the land that had once been Judah. The destruction of the temple and the beginning of the Babylonian exile were so horrifying that in Isaiah, it's not even mentioned. The prophet simply skips over it. The events from 627 BCE to 587 BCE, a span of about 40 years, were so collectively traumatic that even the prophets couldn't find words to describe the, the desolation, the destruction, the, the devastation exile. Humiliated, defeated, overwhelmed, they found themselves with dreams unraveled and their visions of shalom shattered. Some years later, when the Hebrew people are finally allowed to return to Jerusalem, the prophet Ezra tells us that the ones who had been young when the temple was destroyed, who are old now, well, they weep as they begin to rebuild the temple. So great is their grief that, that while those around them are shouting with joy, they are still lamenting the humiliation, the defeat, the, the overwhelming loss that they feel is as acutely today as they did when they were forced from their way of life, from everything that they knew by the Babylonians. They're still grieving lost years and, and unfulfilled dreams. And through the shouts of joy, you can hear their weeping. And we know that this exile was so deeply traumatic that, that in many ways, it replaced the exodus as the main focus of the Jewish faith. Babylon becomes the new Egypt, and the Exodus event is written into God's salvation from exile, and exile is transposed upon the accounts of the Exodus event. You see, 
It's not just that the removal of the Hebrew people from Judah was traumatic. I mean, it was absolutely. The forced migration of any people anywhere is a a traumatic event. But, But when the Babylonians destroyed the temple, they aimed right at the heart of the Jewish faith. When God made God's covenant with Israel, God agreed to dwell among God's people, and God dwelled among God's people in the temple. The destruction of the temple is devastating politically and culturally, but it's also devastating to a faith that said that God dwelled in God's house and and that to honor God required you to honor God in God's house. Because if that was who God was and where God could be found, if, if God's house was no more and the people of God were scattered across the earth, how, how? Could God dwell among God's people? How could God's people be God's people? There is scripture in the book of Jeremiah that that is a letter from the prophet Jeremiah to the people in Babylon living in exile. It's a letter to the elders, to the priests, to the prophets, to the political leaders, and really to all of the people who had been forced to migrate to Babylon. There's a lot to this letter, but the very first line makes a bold claim to a, a scattered people. The letter says, this letter is the word of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. The God of Israel. This letter says that the God of Israel was not destroyed when the temple was destroyed. The God of Israel was not silenced. The God of Israel is still, in fact, the God of Israel. The God of a people, most of whom are not actually found within the political boundaries of Israel. Because, of course, you see, God is not beholden to political boundaries, nor nor is God beholden to other boundaries like walls made of stone or wood. A limitless God cannot be limited by buildings or boundaries. When God calls you my people, God doesn't mean my people only when you are in my building. God doesn't mean my people only when you are in my country. God doesn't mean my people only when you are within my boundaries. God God doesn't have a building. God doesn't have a country. God doesn't have a boundary. God is. And because God is, you are. You are God's people outside of a building. You are God's people outside of a boundary, outside of any boundaries. God is, so you are God's. And because God is, and because you are, God can work anywhere. God can work in a temple. But God can also work in exile. God can work anywhere. And so God, through Jeremiah, sends a letter to God's people. And God tells God's people, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens 
and eat what grows in them. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. God tells them, be fruitful and multiply here. Be fruitful and multiply anywhere. Because anywhere you are, God says, there I am. And anywhere I am, there you will thrive if only you choose to believe me. God's salvation is available to us anywhere we are. Eventually, the Persians defeat Babylon and, and they allow the Hebrew people to return to Jerusalem, but, but not all do. So many found a way to be in Babylon or, or wherever they found themselves during exile that they, they never returned. Jewish communities existed in Syria and Babylonia and extended to Egypt, Crete, and Cyrenaica, and, and eventually even to Rome. The destruction of the temple broke free the God of Israel to be the God of God's people wherever God's people might be. The lesson for us from 2,600 years ago is, is almost too easy. It's almost too obvious to even be a particularly great reflection, and, and I'm, I'm sorry for that. But you see, we're... We're experiencing our own exile of sorts right now, but but instead of a great empire like Babylon, it's a it's a microscopic, teeny tiny little germ called COVID nineteen, and it has forced us into a strange way of being. We weren't forced, most of us, to migrate to another country, but but we were forced from our our normal way of life. We were exiled not as a community together, but but in isolation. And while many of us have been able to return to a, a mostly normal life, thanks to the miracle that is, that is science and, and the development of vaccines that, that target this novel virus, so many more of us are still living lives significantly altered by COVID-19. I've, I've talked about, and I mean that, you know, 19 months after the world shut down, I I still check the the local county's health department's Facebook page on a a daily basis. I I watch the the case data closely. As a mom of a six year old and a, a three year old, I I have two little people in my house who who can't be vaccinated yet. And and while we cheered, oh we cheered the reopening of school this year. A few weeks ago. After almost four weeks of in-person learning, a child in our school community tested positive for COVID-19. Don't worry, the form email says. If your child was exposed, you'll receive a call from the health department. Uh, shortly after receiving that email, my phone rang with an unknown area code. Uh, I, was, I was never so happy to pick up the phone and hear that old scam call that my car's extended warranty was expiring. Our quarantine, our quarantine exile required us to change how we lived our lives and, and our lives have been forever altered by that exile, not, not unlike the Hebrew people in Babylon. 
I mean, you can probably think of many ways that your life today is unlike your life before COVID. And, and that's true for the church as well. To keep people safe, we had to close our doors for a period of time. We, we changed how we worshiped, uh, how we offered worship online. We, we moved outdoors. Some churches bought radio transmitters and offered drive-in worship services. I gave my children's sermon last year at the, at the Christmas service atop an old tire in the back of a Chevy pickup truck. <laughs> And we hold meetings via something called Zoom that no one had really heard of before it was the only way for us to meet. And the whole time, this whole time, we kept dreaming about getting back to normal. But even as science helped us add a layer of safety to meeting in person again, we noticed that there was no real getting back to normal happening. Even here where I am with over 60% of our county fully vaccinated and, and a positivity rate of, of less than 5%, people aren't coming back in droves to in-person church services. We can look around on a, a Sunday morning and easily see that. Our dreams of being normal are they're unraveling all around us. It's easy to lament our small in-person services. It's easy to blame it on a lack of enthusiasm for God or, or misplaced priorities. And it's also easy to blame COVID. But that's the thing. The easy thing to blame? Well, it's rarely the whole answer. You see, COVID didn't cause this necessarily. What we're seeing in church attendance, well, it was already a trend before COVID. All COVID did was accelerate the impact and, and move up the timeline. In 2021, people formed communities differently than they did in 1960, for better or for worse, because it's really both. We relate differently with each other. And while we need much of the same things from our, our church communities and experiences as we always have, we need those things in, in different ways. COVID showed us a little about how we could find what we need from church. Things like authentic community, a, a deep and abiding connection with God, space to ask questions and, and explore our faith, but, but find them in ways that, that felt relevant to our everyday life experiences. And that realization has led to a lot of unraveled dreams, to, to feelings of defeat, to being overwhelmed by how to get people back to normal. Through Jeremiah, though, God offers us a powerful word for this exile. Be fruitful and multiply here, not someday in Jerusalem, but now, in this time, in this place. Plant gardens, build houses, make families, multiply, and do not decrease. As we as a, a church community look forward into our future, God reminds us that, that God is more than a building. God is more than a boundary. God brought God's people out of Egypt, out of exile, and then God transcended all boundaries and took on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ to bring God's people out of sin and into salvation. That which is destroyed, God makes new. 
Leave behind your unraveled dreams, beloved children of God, because God is already knitting them into a new creation. Let's plant gardens together. Let's grow new fruits that we can share the good news of a, a boundaryless God with the world. Not someday in Jerusalem, but now, here, in this place. Thanks for joining us on Whenever Worship for this reflection on Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 7. Join us next time as we lean into what it means to be people with unraveled faith. See you then. Bye.